You know, I'm so grateful um, for Jake and Abby, as well as the Schofields who you saw in our Dollar Difference video, that they were willing to share their story, um, willing to, to show how Christ has been working in their lives. Um, and uh, man, God is doing some amazing things amongst the people and, uh, that call this place home. Um, thank you for, uh, for just uh, being uh, willing to hear from those folks and to, to see the power of their, their stories. You know, in 1843, Charles Dickens uh, wrote and published uh, maybe one of the most famous uh, Christmas stories titled A Christmas Carol. Right? Now, A Christmas Carol um, looks at the life and uh, means of a mean-spirited old man by the name of Ebenezer Scrooge. Scrooge, is, uh, he owns his counting uh, business house, and um, he's a wealthy man, but he's got a calloused heart. Scrooge hates the hustle and bustle of the holidays. He hates what they bring. He hates that they bring out the people that are always asking for a handout, these needy people. His common response to Merry Christmas is that of bah humbug, right? This is until returning late one evening uh, to his cold and lonely apartment where he's visited by the ghost of his longtime partner in business, Jacob Marley. Actually, he's visited by three ghosts, the ghost of Christmas past, the ghost of Christmas present, and the ghost of Christmas future. You know, Dickens' story has been told and portrayed in all kinds of different formats. Maybe you have seen it in one of these uh, formats. I'll be honest with you, like my growing up memories of A Christmas Carol came from Mickey Mouse um, and his gang. Uh, that's what I remember of this story. Um, I'm sure that, uh, that Dickens um, didn't have cartoon characters in mind when he wrote this story, um, but Dickens was a Christian man, um, and uh, he wrote in a time, uh, in a world, uh, in a city of London um, that was being transformed by the Industrial Revolution. He wrote in a world that was becoming more and more chaotic, and it's clear that Dickens saw um, that the needs of the common man were slipping through the cracks, that humankind was, was more concerned with the dollar than they were with one another. Yet, with all his money, Scrooge's life still seems chaotic and broken. He has little peace until he has this transformational experience with a ghost. You know, little has changed in almost 200 years. It's not the industrial revolution that's changed our society. It's the technological revolution or the social media revolution that's changing our society. All too many of us are, well, we're running around uh, in a season filled with, with chaos and not so much peace. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Right? You think about the list of things that you have to do, right? You're going to well, you got to bake cookies, and you got to buy presents, and you got to wrap presents, and you got to go to grandma's house, and you got to put up the lights on the house, or, and don't forget about the other grandma, and then there's Christmas breakfast, and Christmas lunch, and Christmas dinner, and I'm not sure what you think about Christmas, but oftentimes when the Christmas season rolls around, I don't think, oh man, this is such a peaceful time. It seems to be pretty chaotic, doesn't it? And let's be honest, it doesn't end there, does it? Right? The new year rolls around, and then there's tax season, and, and we all know what tax season's like. And then there's, uh, well, then we, we have our, our vacations that we, we plan, and they're supposed to be peaceful, but what do we do? We, we chalk them full of an itinerary of things to do, and we keep ourselves busy, and there's not so much peace found in that. And then the summer rolls around, and with the summer comes all the projects that have to be done, and the kids that are going every which direction that you've got to keep up with, and the job that's pulling you every single different direction that there could possibly be. Then school ramps back up. And what happens at school time? Well, there's back-to-school shopping. 
shopping, and then there's sports and school groups that start to buy for the kids' time once again, and then before you know it, we're at Thanksgiving and right back into the chaos of Christmas. You see, if I've learned anything in my lifetime, it's that this world's full of chaos. Not just those things that have been mentioned about a season and the life's um, ebbs and flows, but this world is full of chaos in the form of pain, it's full of sorrow, it's full of frustration, it's full of hurt, but that's not what God wants for us. God doesn't want chaos for us. Like Scrooge of Dickens' stories, when we have a transformational experience with a ghost, our life changes. For Christ followers, that's the Holy Ghost, or some refer to it as the Holy Spirit. You'll hear us talk about it like that around here. Jesus said um, this in John chapter 14, verses 25 through 27, about that experience, that change um, that happens when the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost comes into our life. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You see, in a world full of chaos, Jesus changes everything. That's why Christmas is such an important holiday, because it reminds us that we can have peace, because Jesus has changed everything. That was first proclaimed when Jesus came to this earth as a baby. In Luke chapter 2, it says that the angel proclaimed, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among men whom he is pleased. Jesus gives us peace. And the first thing he brings peace to is that Jesus brings peace for the faults of our past. Before we go any further, I just want to like pull over right here. Let, let's, park, let's park for a moment on this point. Let me, let me share some things that you need to understand about how Jesus brings peace for the faults of your past. You know, as a minister, I get the privilege to be with folks in some of their most joyous times and some of their most difficult moments. I have... I've stood in front of crowds and uh, proclaimed vows with couples and celebrated marriages. And I've counseled with folks immediately after an affair has taken place. I have prayed uh, with young couples as they have welcomed their firstborn child into their family. And I have consoled people after they have seen their loved one take their last breath. But there's something I always find interesting about ministering to others. That oftentimes when Christ begins to work in somebody's heart, uh, when, when they begin to experience what I refer to as conviction, their understanding that Jesus uh, is what they need and not the other things that have defined them, um, that a vast majority of people will come maybe sometimes at the end of a service, um, or they'll come into our office, or they'll set some time aside, and they'll just, just want to talk, and they'll say, yeah, I understand all that stuff you, you've said, but... You just don't understand. I've done a lot of bad things in my past. Can I just shut the record straight for a moment? We all have. We all have. Let's start there this morning. That every man or woman that has ever stepped foot on this earth has a checkered past, except for Christ, that is. Scripture clearly defines that for us. In Romans 3, verse 23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
So before we go any further today, I'd like for us all to acknowledge that truth, that we have a checkered past, that our past is marked by sin. If you've ever been to a support group, you'll know that sometimes when that support group begins or when you begin to talk that they want you to acknowledge who you genuinely are. So in an Alcoholics Anonymous group, you'll say something like this, hello, my name is, and I'm an alcoholic. It's an acknowledgement that healing starts when we're honest with ourselves and when we're honest with others, that you're not going to hide your condition from somebody. The request this morning is that you acknowledge your checkered past. Now, I'm not asking you to turn to the person beside you and tell them your deepest and darkest secrets of your past. But I am requesting that you acknowledge that no matter if you have been a Christian for years or you have yet to follow Christ with your life, that you have a past. I have a past. We have a past. You see, when we acknowledge our past and it's then that we begin to find peace for the faults and shortcomings that we have, uh, have done. A fundamental step of faith takes place when we acknowledge our past. And more specifically, when we acknowledge that to God. You know, acknowledging our sin to God, acknowledging our past faults to God, is not our way of trying to get rid of it. It's not our way of trying to fix it. It's our recognition that we are sinful, that we have made mistakes, and that, well, we need a Savior. You know, David uh, was a man in the Old Testament that was referred to as a man after God's own heart. A man after God's own heart. Now, you know David's story, don't you? Man, David, David had a past. Yeah, he had done some pretty bad things. I mean, David was a guy that, uh, well, he, he had slept with a woman that wasn't his wife. It was another man's wife. And then he tries to cover it up that he had done this because she gets pregnant. And in the process of covering up, he decides just to murder that gal's husband. Let's just say David had, some, had a pretty checkered past. And David is beginning to experience the shame and guilt, um, and then he comes to this moment where he has to acknowledge his past. In Psalm 32, verse 5, David is recorded as sharing these things to God. He said, finally, I confessed all my sins to you, and I stopped trying to hide my guilt. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me all my guilt is gone. Did you catch it? He confessed. He acknowledged his sin before God, and God forgave him. God gave him peace. God can give you that same peace from your past if you'll just have faith in Jesus. That's what we're told in Romans chapter 5. It says, therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus brings peace for the faults of our past. You know, throughout the Old Testament, from the beginning, God has focused his attention on a group of people um, that had honored him, that had recognized him as the living God. These people are referred to as the Hebrews. They made up of the nation of Israel. But just like us, the Hebrews, well, they decided to do their own thing. They rebelled against God and did it their way. And when they did, they got hurt. You know, in Isaiah 43, we learn of this, this burdened past that they have. They were so burdened by the past that they couldn't perceive a positive future. So they, they just lived this defeated life. 
They set for themselves low expectations. They saw themselves as losers. They felt that their situation could never be changed. They thought, we've been labeled the part. We might as well play the part and play it. They did. You can read throughout the scriptures of how the Israelites messed up time and time and time again. When the prophet Isaiah ministered to the Israelites, they were in a period of time when they just couldn't get anything right. They were plagued by their past. They had this baggage, per se, that was just holding them down. So God had this intervention into their life. And we hear this in Isaiah 43, what God says to them. He says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. They believed that there was no way out. They believed that not even God can make a way through their mess, but God could and God did. Now in Christ, when the angel of the Lord proclaimed peace on earth and goodwill to men, he came not just to give us peace from the faults of our past, but peace from the burden of our past. Maybe you've questioned that salvation that you received years ago. Maybe for you, you've wondered, well, can he really make a way in my life? Like, I, I hear you. I've heard ministers say this before about how God loves me and how he, he knows my past, but you don't know my past. You, you can't even imagine some of the things that I've done. I, I'm, I'm just, I'm too, I'm too broken. Like, I, I don't, I can't. God can't. He can't forget the things of my past. There's no way he can make a way for me. Maybe you've fed into the lie that you're more of a problem to God. Like, that's what God looks at you as. Like, oh, that's the problem. Like, oh, there they are. They're at church again. They're my problem. Let me tell you this. God demonstrated his power over our problems when he sent Jesus to us. He came to make a way when we thought there was no way. So if you felt like your past has defined you for all too long... If you've carried around this pain, if you've thought for, for years and years that there is just no way that God could forgive, you fill in the blank. If that sin has somehow changed itself to you, you seem like, man, it, this is unescapable. Let me tell you this. God can make a way. God has made a way. His word says it to us like this. The Lord is there to rescue all who are discouraged and have given up hope. I think there's some people in this room this morning that have given up hope. And they've said, he just can't make a way for me. The Lord is there to rescue all who are discouraged and who have given up hope. And I believe that you need to hear from God those same words that the Hebrews, the Israelites heard. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up in you. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the wilderness, and streams in the wasteland. You need to hear God say to you, I haven't given up on you. I haven't given up on you. Many of us are so burdened by our past, so weighed down by it that we allow it to wreck our present and then to destroy our future. But Christ says, you are forgiven. The burden that you felt can be released you don't have to carry around that brokenness. You don't have to have that, 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 that pain and that anguish any longer. However, the truth is this, that sometimes the brokenness and the burden of our past isn't our fault. 
For some of you, it was a, an absent father who didn't treat you right, who was never there, who used violence or broke you down with words. For others, it, it, maybe it's a friend, like somebody that you thought was going to be there for the rest of your life. They were going to have your back, and they just totally betrayed your trust. And they've hurt you, and they've scarred you so badly. Maybe it's a, a spouse or an ex-spouse, somebody that you gave commitments over to, and you, you said you were going to spend the rest of your lives together as it should be, and they've broken that trust, and they've broken that commitment, and they've left this pain and anguish in your heart. It's one thing to understand that Christ brings about peace of our faults, or he takes away the burdens. But it's another thing to understand that Christ wants to bring peace with the people of our past. You know, in Africa, natives will often capture monkeys um, by setting up traps. Now, you would think, right, okay, they're going to set up like a cage, and the monkey's going to come grab something, the cage is going to clap over top of them, right? And they're going to have caught this monkey. That's not how they do it. Story goes that uh, often natives will, instead, they'll set the cage all the way down on the ground so the monkey can't get into it, and then they will put a, a, an object that is desirable to the monkey inside of the cage. So maybe it's a, a fruit or some sort of shiny object, something that's going to spark their curiosity. So the monkey will come over, he'll reach his hands through the cage, and he'll grab the bait. The only thing is the bait won't come through the bars. It's too large. And so the monkey will sit there, and he'll kick and scream and, and well, trying to get away, but it won't let go of the bait. That's the trick. Make it large enough so that you can't get it through the bars, and the monkey will not let go until the captors come and capture the monkey. They're trapped in bondage because they refuse to let go of the bait. You know, I always wonder, <laughs> are we much smarter than those monkeys? <laughs> oh, bitterness, unforgiveness, it's just like that. It holds you in bondage. Truth is, I, I don't know your pain. Like, yeah, we can laugh about that for a moment, but I don't understand your hurt. And some of you have been hurt. Like, some of you are like, man, if he understood that person and what that person did to me, he wouldn't be up there saying this. I don't. I, I can't tell you the amount of pain that's probably in this room, and I can't fully empathize with each and every one of you in that. But I can tell you that if you keep holding on to that bitterness, if you keep holding on to that unforgiveness, it will destroy you. It's been said your refusal to forgive or your desire for revenge cancels out the grace of God. Bitterness is like an acid. It does more damage to the container in which it is stored than the object of which it is poured. You know, in Psalm 34, verse 14, it says, turn your back on sin. Do something good. Embrace peace. Don't let it get away. Hey. Let go of the bitterness. Let go of the rage. Embrace peace. Jesus changes everything. And if you trust Christ, he will give you what you need to have peace with the people of your past. How can I say that? Well, I can say it because I know who Christ was. And I can say it because Christ was a man that was condemned wrongfully. He was beaten to pretty much a bloody pulp. And then he was hung upon a cross, nails driven through his wrist and his shins. And you know the story, right? Why he hung on that cross and he looked down at the men that had beat him, the ones that had condemned him, the people who had driven those nails into his wrist and his shins. He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. The ultimate act of surrendering bitterness 
If Christ can do that, he can give you, through his spirit, the power to forgive those people that have hurt you. You know, in John 14, verse 12, it says, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. I love that passage of Scripture because Christ did some pretty amazing things. He, he did some pretty marvelous works. He, he was able to forgive people that, that nailed him to a cross. And he says, you're going to do even greater things through the Spirit that I'm sending to you. He is going to give you the capacity to forgive others. And when you do that, you will find a peace like you have never had on this earth. You know, as a minister of the gospel... My greatest hope is that I can help people find freedom from their past. I, I can help people understand um, that they are loved by, by Jesus. Many years ago, I felt a strong call to ministry. As a young man, I mean, young teenage years, I knew God had called me to be a minister. Like, I knew he wanted me to, to preach his word. I, I, I just, I had this, this, this thing. And I remember as a student just clearly telling people, if I could just change one person's life, like, that would be the ultimate goal. Like, if I could see one person that has been a sinner, under, help them understand their sin, help them come to know Jesus, if I can lead them to that place, I, I, I feel like, and now as a, an adult, I'm just saying, man, I just want to use my influence. I, I want anybody that has connection to me to see Jesus in me. Be quite honest, I'm learning not, not to care about what other people think. Like, I don't really care what you think of me, right? As long as you see Jesus, that's all, I, that's all I care. I want you to see Jesus in me. And I hope that's the case of everybody that calls this place home. That people would just see Jesus in us. You know, in Ephesians chapter, 18, or chapter 1, verse 18, the Apostle Paul has this like, same heart. And here's, here's my heart for you. And I want to echo this prayer that Paul prayed. He said, my prayer is that light will flood your hearts. And that you'll understand the hope that was given to you when God chose you. Then you'll discover the glorious blessings that will be yours together with all of God's people. I want you to know about the great and mighty power that God has for us followers. It's the same wonderful power he used when he raised Christ from death and let him sit at the right hand and the right side in heaven. You, you catch what it's saying here? Like The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is now living in you. Anybody who has accepted Christ as the Lord of their life and has given their life over to the Lord in baptism has been promised the gift of the Holy Spirit working in them. And when that happens, Christ brings peace through the redemption of your past. Now, I could stand here and give like historical proof about this Jesus of Nazareth. I, I could tell you of all the, all the things that Jesus did on this earth. I could, I could prove to you um, that, that he really did walk this earth through historical accounts. And I could tell you that he actually did die on a Roman cross from everything that we know of history. I can tell you of the numerous historical accounts eyewitnesses had claimed that they actually saw Jesus risen. But the truth is, these facts then pale in comparison to a life that has been redeemed and transformed by the power and finished work of Christ. So catch it. The greatest proof of the gospel of Jesus Christ is a changed life. I had an individual from our Celebrate Recovery ministry tell me a few, few weeks back that a past acquaintance um, saw him out in the community. He said, that person said, oh yeah, you're doing that church thing now, aren't you? And I love his response. Yeah, I am. And the church has gave me a new set of friends who love me and care for me and who become my family in Christ. 
And my life has changed. His life was a mess before he came to know Jesus. But Jesus changes everything. Jake and Abby's story is just the same. They'll tell you honestly that they weren't tracking with the Lord the way they should have been. And as they shared, their life was not always marked by service to the kingdom and betterment in Christ. They had a past just like you do and just like I do, but Christ has redeemed them and brought them peace. You see, in a world full of chaos, Jesus changes everything. You know, in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, um, it's, it's beginning to tell of Jesus. Like, this is, the, this is the story of Jesus coming to earth. This is the Christmas story here, really. If you, if you want to start somewhere and read God's Word, if you're saying, I've never read, start in God, the Gospel of John. Just start reading chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 5, it says this. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. That no amount of chaos, no amount of hurt, no amount of pain can be eclipsed by the light of Jesus Christ. And you know what Jesus said of himself in John 8? I am the light of the world. I'm the one that's going to bring about peace. You see, God is in the business of turning darkness to light, of turning chaos to peace. And now as Christ followers, he puts us in that business. In Matthew chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 16, it says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to the Father who is in heaven. Truth is, redemption is continuing its work through the church by using what was once darkness, you all, to spread about light in the midst of this world. To give about peace in the midst of chaos. You see, when you encounter Christ and make him the Lord of your life, it changes everything. Just over a century ago, archaeologists um, found, this, um, found these two cups. Uh, one was called the Goonstrip Cauldron. I think that's how you say that. Best guess right there. Um, and this cauldron um, was from a couple centuries before Christ. Um, it was uh, of Irish and Celtic origin. And... Um, Let's just say in that time, the, the, the Celts and Irish folks, they were, they were worshiping some pretty gross pagan gods. Um, and and this, this scene that's depicted on the bottom left corner is of a god that uh, was known as a cook god. Um, and uh, they're boiling a pot and he's sacrificing humans in it, which was a common way to worship that god was to sacrifice a human. It's a pretty violent culture. Now, the second cup is that of the our dog, Chalice. Um, now, that's 7th, 8th century after Christ. So it's about 900 years later. Um, Irish, the I Ireland area had been uh, totally changed, totally transformed by St. Patrick and uh, his uh, coming and bringing the gospel of Jesus um, to others. And so this cup had a totally different purpose. Right? This, this cup um, is not, not used for human sacrifice. This cup was used to remember what Christ did on the cross. This cup was used in communion. Uh, it was used to remember the sacrifice of Jesus. Here's the point. The first cup depicted a civilization of disorder and chaos where violence reigned supreme. It was a society, a society that knew nothing of Jesus. The second cup, on the other hand, is that of a civilization that has been changed by Christ. A civilization that had peace with God. The point is this. The source of peace for anyone is found in God through Jesus Christ. You see, in a world full of chaos, Jesus changes everything. This morning, I think there's some folks in this room that are probably 
recognizing their past and, and their understanding the chaos that it was and the pain that is there and the hurt. You know, in the scriptures, God says this, when the time came, I listened to you. I listened to you. And when you needed help, I came to save you. That time has come. This is a day for you to be saved. Today is the day of salvation. This is the day for you to be saved. God can bring about peace from your past, with your past, and through your past. Because in a world full of chaos, Jesus changes everything.